Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I think my wish would be that it would be easier for more female entrepreneurs to kind of launch their ideas. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Today's personal spot is kind of a funny one. I can't even remember if I've already talked about this, but I recently launched my YouTube channel. It's a YouTube channel focused on podcasting. And wow, have I been enjoying it. And it feels like when I first became an entrepreneur where I'm curious about everything and how it works and what's been a huge relief in essentially starting something new that has no weight to it is that I can enjoy every part of the journey. Meaning when I get one subscriber, I'm like, what? What I, you know, I just got to about 113 subscribers on the channel. The channel started at 37. I'm like, this is amazing, you know? And it's like these joyous, just innocent moments where we're not so caught up, so caught up in the bigness of things, but really just enjoying the process. I think it's something that I've thought a lot about over the years, how even in my travels, it's like, I got to get somewhere, I got to get somewhere. But it's really, you know, so cliche, but it's really the journey that is the destination. It's not, I know, you guys are probably like rolling your eyes at me, but it's the journey that is really exciting. And if we could let go, if I can let go of outcomes and just really thrive in the journey, the whole experience is so much more enjoyable. So anyway, with that, enjoy the next episode sharing all these wonderful people's journeys. Bye. Welcome back to 
the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest. She is here with me coming at you from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So go ahead to kick things off. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sabina Suri, and I am co-founder and chief strategy officer here at BoxBox. I started this company when I was 23 years old with two co-founders, and we've been kind of rocking and rolling ever since, and I absolutely love what I do. And walk us through your company. What does it do? Yeah, absolutely. So we are an e-commerce gifting company. Um, Essentially, we sell ready-to-ship boxes curated around different themes for any occasion, like birthday, baby, new job, housewarming, you name the milestone, we have a gift for it. We were the first to build a platform called Build a Box Box that lets you pick your own products and really customize every single gift to the recipient and the relationship. And then we also do bulk corporate gifting as well. So tons of gifting for like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, law firms, medical firms, all the different companies as well. Share with us how a gifting company is a tech company. How are you a woman in tech? We consider ourselves really a consumer services company. So we're really using the power of technology to actually make gifting relevant to the modern customer and really kind of using all the amazing things that technology has brought us to bring this age-old art of gifting into the modern era. Can you walk us through that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, some different ways we're doing that. You know, one is just the fact that we're hosted on Shopify and we're really kind of like e-commerce enabled. Our whole goal with starting BoxBox was how can we take the brick and mortar experience that we're all kind of like, some people, it's a love-hate. Some people love gifting because they love going to all these different stores and putting together the perfect gift. Some people hate it and, you know, want to avoid that at all costs. Either way, we wanted to take take that experience and really mimic it for like the online world. So like, how could we create kind of a digital storefront um, and then use technology to serve better products to our customers, truly like be that go-to for gifting for them um, across all the different touch points. And Shopify is a company that took off a long time ago and really has empowered a lot of people to go online and be digital with their commerce. Can you walk us through your relationship with Shopify? How has Shopify essentially been a mentor and a guide, like the resources they have or the team or the technology empowering you to have an e-commerce business? Totally. I mean, I'm the biggest Shopify super fan out there. I recommend it to anybody starting a new business, not sponsored, but I love Shopify. I think for we've had us, Shopify on the show. So oh, it's, amazing. All, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, truly, I think less about we, we're on Shopify plus. So we definitely have access to kind of like mentors and like a Shopify expert essentially who can like help us with little nuances and challenges. But I think the best thing about Shopify is it's literally like plug and play. So you have an idea and you could have your website up that same day if you wanted, you know, pull an all nighter, I don't know, and have it up. But I think that like really it's enabled anybody to truly use the power of technology and the power of digital to power an idea. And I think for us specifically, the all the different kind of like plugins and things that we've figured out to like customize um, Shopify to work for our 
specific business use case has been amazing. And they just have like such an amazing kind of like array of apps you can sort of build on top of. You're a part of Shopify Plus. What is Shopify Plus? Uh, This podcast is about empowering listeners to feel like if she can do it, so can I. And so I actually never heard of Shopify Plus. What is that? And is that something if we're looking to have an e-commerce business that we should really consider to make our journey a little bit easier? Yeah, so we started just on Shopify, regular, no plus, and that was perfect for us for the first, honestly, five to six years of our business. We were approached by Shopify around year six based on our revenues and kind of like how we were using the platform. They're obviously always looking at store performance and things like that. They asked whether we wanted to upgrade to Shopify Plus. So it's associated with the higher monthly cost. I don't have all the specs, but I do know that kind of the benefit is you have access to kind of like an expert at all times and they really kind of bring new Shopify innovations and tweaks and nuances to you. So it's a little bit more of a strategic partnership in that way. Um, It's really based on revenues and whether you actually really are going to be able to use the full suite of technology. I know one thing is like the checkout is liquid. So you're able to really customize the checkout experience, which might not be as important to you in year one through three of your business. But, you know, by year five, you're very in the weeds on stuff like that. So that's one example. It's just more customizable. So like we've been able to really tailor a lot more of like our templates with like, you know, order notifications and all the different like email templates as well through Shopify, Uh, you get more customer data as well. So you're able to kind of get a deeper look into your customers. And then there are certain uh, Shopify apps that only can be integrated with Shopify plus as well. Walk me through, you were talking about the different stages at year one to year five. When you first started, first of all, what inspired this idea? And then what's the difference? What was life like at year one and what is life like now? I think that's very interesting how things change so greatly, but we can't plan for them. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. No, absolutely. Um, So we started the company really based on personal experience. And who's Um, we? Sorry. So it's myself, Sabina, and then my co-founders, Jenny and Chelsea. So I'm chief strategy officer. Jenny is chief operating officer and Chelsea is CEO. So that's the trio. We all started um, when I was 23, they were 22. So kind of like fresh out of college. It was a side hustle and just like a project that we were all working on while working other jobs, which I'm happy to get into that balance as well. Um, But we kind of just... It was personal experience. You know, we had actually like a mutual friend who was in the hospital and she, we couldn't get to her, you know, because we were working these crazy hours and there were all, she was far, it was like LA traffic, all the things. And so we wanted to send her kind of like a care package that was a lot more meaningful than just, you know, flowers, which love flowers, but, you know, they weren't going to help her in her kind of like recovery or chocolate, which, you know, obviously you might not want to send somebody recovering food and things like that. And we just couldn't find something that was like up to our taste, up to our standards. And honestly, kind of like this perfect compilation of products that 
if we had the time, we would be putting together ourselves. Um, right. You know, maybe a notebook, socks, you know, a book to read while kind of like sitting in, in the hospital room, something encouraging, uh, like a crystal, like things like that. And so we we just felt like there was this hole in the market and we, we were super excited about filling it. And once kind of that moment happened, there were just so many other signs, like a friend getting married across the country or like a friend getting promoted and just being like, this would be the perfect time to send something that is really kind of like time appropriate and also like beautifully presented and functional. I know who's going to be buying something when we get off of this. Interview. <laughs> I actually just I had it. A, I had a friend who just had surgery. So I'm like, oh my God, what do I do for yeah. her? What do I do for her? I'm like, yeah. yeah, we have a, we have a heel box. That's amazing. And it's really like, we've always had it. Cause it's kind of like an ode to our origin story. So, okay, year one versus year seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did it look like in year one? And what does it look like in year seven? And also part B of that question, what catapulted your initial growth? Because for you to be in business for seven years is outstanding. So thank you. Yeah. through that time, what was like that moment where like, oh, I think we're going to make it? Mm, I love that question. Um, I would say year one was all hands on deck, you know, no real dividing of responsibilities, like everyone, aka the three of us were doing everything at all times. And so it was just, you know, get the ball rolling, like everybody, you know, lots of all nighters, lots of like, just long hours, nights and weekends, everything was about kind of like, how can we launch this? And we always joke, we're like, we're all like type A, like kind of like nerdy students, like kind of thing. Like back then we were like, we were those kids that would like, you know, go in high school, like be at the library at all hours and wake up early to study for something. So we knew we were all wired a certain way, which made year one stressful, but also made it feel like we were all in that kind of mindset and that mode. Year seven is wildly different. I mean, we have very clear divisions of like roles and responsibilities based on like what, you know, each of us is our roles are defined as we are, I would say there's certain decisions that we've said, okay, these are always going to be co-founder like trio decisions. And we've been able to kind of like maintain that kind of unilateral like partnership structure in those ways. But I think overall, we've been able to also say like, okay, here's Sabina's real strengths and weaknesses, or here's, you know, her strengths, we're going to allow her to lead that team in this way and and Jenny and Chelsea as well. Um, So it feels very different, I would say. And, and, you know, we have a team. So like, we're not just relying on ourselves to do everything we can delegate, which is huge. And that's been a lesson. I think for us, what really catapulted our success was we did it in our own way. And we were actually really deliberate and like kind of building something slowly. So we've actually, we're completely bootstrapped. So we've never taken outside funding. And I think part of that is we've just always said like, we're going to do this as authentically as we can. And Mm -hmm. so like, even from the beginning, it was like, we've made decisions, like we've never outsourced our fulfillment. So we actually own all of our own fulfillment. And so we have our own warehouse. We're actually moving into another warehouse. Like we want to control like the fulfillment because we see that our product and service as one and they're linked. 
you know, we have done things that don't scale, I should say. Like I always tell people, like we, we've handwritten our notes from the beginning on every single order. We, you know, build a box box is very complicated in terms of like inventory and all the different permutations of, of what you can send. But we have been like, that's really important to our business. And we're going to figure out how to scale customization. So just things that kind of, I think other businesses would say like, that's not going to enable us to like grow at the speed that we want. We've been like, that's okay. Because we know that we're building something kind of for the long haul and something that Mm. we feel really like connected to and want to build deliberately. And I think customers like our loyalty is amazing. And like our retention is amazing because customers see that and they they know that like we're a brand that they can trust and isn't just kind of like a flash in the pan. How did the three of you meet? Let's rewind. Yeah. So we all went to school in LA. So I was at USC and they were at UCLA. Um, But I met Chelsea um, at our first job. We were working at Ogilvy, the agent, the ad agency. Um, And I was assigned to be her big buddy, like kind of take her to lunch, show her the ropes. And we just became fast friends. Um, And then I moved on to another ad agency, but we stayed in touch. Her and Jenny went to UCLA together. We're in uh, the same sorority. And when we just all kind of started becoming friends. And mm. then when this idea kind of happened, we were like, we should do this together. So it was kind of natural, but I will say what was really interesting about our dynamic is we weren't just like three best friends coming together, starting something. I think, you know, the two of them were obviously very close, but I was a little bit more of like a professional connection at the time. Obviously fast forward, we are like best friends, but I think I always give people the advice like, it's okay to go into business with your friends. Like I think it can work really well and there's so many pros, but I think there's something to be said of like, can you kind of form a friendship through a professional relationship? Because that's like best case scenario, I think. I mean, having three business partners is difficult. If you don't mind me getting, um, you know, personal for a moment. And of course, if you don't feel comfortable, just let me know and we'll pass this podcast is definitely not about (laughs) sourcing out controversy. But I've had several business partners in my different companies. So I know what goes into that kind of relationship. I think something that would be really empowering for everybody listening is what have been the most difficult moments in a trio business partnership that you've successfully overcome? And how did you Mm -hmm. overcome that? And then what's one of the biggest advantages that maybe we wouldn't think of? Yeah, totally. I think to start with sort of a challenge, I think, honestly, it's interesting, like our dynamic has been so positive. Like, I'm not just saying that I, no, I believe give people you. advice. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, you know, we really, really lucked out. I feel like probably the biggest challenge is when you have such an open and kind of like positive relationship it's harder to hold people accountable for like kind of dropping the ball and not pulling their weight as much. So like we've been doing this for close to eight years now and it's sort of like, you know, we have so much respect for each other and we know so much about each other's personal and professional kind of like strengths, weaknesses, lives, you know, in those moments where it's like, Hey, you know, you're not delivering on this or you're just like clearly distracted. And I know why, you know, maybe you're having issues at home or you just got a new pet or like all these number of things. 
there's no like secrets, but it's also the flip side of that is it can be harder to kind of lay down the hammer because you're like, I know the full context and I also love you as a human. So how do I kind of broach that kind of line, if that makes sense? Um, I mean, I think you said something really important there. It's something I actually it continues to come up in my group therapy is <laughs> having context and compassion and a sense of curiosity when communicating with others. And mm-hmm. that's what you said. You're like, I know where you're coming from. I know your intent. So I'm going to think about how to be compassionate about where you're at rather than making judgment. And totally. I believe you, there's luck involved, but I also think there's probably really core elements to your three personalities that work together. Mm -hmm. And yes, it was luck that maybe brought the three right personalities together, but there's still core elements that make it work. What would you say when someone's looking for a business partner, which so many people, now there's like so many apps even where you could swipe to find (laughs) business partners. Totally. Like what kind of characteristics should they be looking for? And I could say in, in my case with my with my old business partner who became a really good friend of mine, our deep respect for one another was so profound that even when we hated one another because there was yeah. like shit going awry for some reason, we would just never hurt one another because mm-hmm. we had so much respect. So even on a bad day, we wouldn't do anything malicious. I mean, I don't think he, either he or I are malicious people, but totally. you know. There wasn't anything out of spite. There wasn't anything to cause the other person grief. It was just showing up to one another with respect and also being really honest. If It's like, I do not like you today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> you have to be able to have the kind of like awkward, weird conversations, which to that point that I was making earlier, like it can be hard to do. I think that that's definitely like number one for us too is total respect uh, for each other's like beings, but also like what we're bringing to the table. Like, can I respect like your ideas and kind of like your strengths and weaknesses and make sure that I'm allowing those things to come through and to shine and all of that. I mean, I think another thing, honestly, it's so much like a marriage and like so much like literally like the parallels are crazy, but I think you have to really want the same things. Like you have to have the same vision. And I think sometimes you don't even know what that is when you're starting out. But I I would say if I were to go back in time, and again, we lucked out on this front because we are very aligned on that page. But I think I would ask from the beginning, like, what is your vision for this company? Mm. Like, how do you see, where do you see it going? How do you see that fitting into your day-to-day life today? How do you see it fitting into your day-to-day life in two years, five years, 10 years? And again, things change, people evolve, like you can't predict the future, but I think having those conversations and forcing the exercise of like, how can we kind of like map this out? Because Mm -hmm. there's a good chance that it's like, oh, I don't want those things. That's not what I want for my life. And that's a very easy way to be like, all right, well, we're not aligned. And that that one conversation will probably, you know, if you don't have it, it's just going to come up all the time in different forms. Totally. It's a lot like a marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like a marriage. If one person wants kids and the other person doesn't want kids, that's going to be not going to work. Yeah. And, and what's so funny about that is like, you're like, in theory, you're like, how much is that really going to come up? But ironically, like 
it comes up at every juncture. Like it's like, it always comes back to the same core issue, right? Like same way that like, oh, well, we said we were gonna, you know, fundraise or not. And it's like somehow that just will keep coming to a head at any decision point, like more often than you would think. So I think just being aligned. And you've had the company for a few years now. I think, did you say five years? Um, we So we started at the beginning of 2014, officially launched end of 2014. So it's actually been a, a little over seven. So I'm curious, starting out at 22, 23, I started as a young 20-something entrepreneur as well. So I get it. But I didn't have business partners at the time in that way. <laughs> How do you all grow together? I'm curious, like, because you've changed as women. What has that been like growing up in this, yeah. I don't know, in this like cool, unique partnership? Yeah, totally. is, is there something yeah. to that? There's so much to that. I mean, I think it's been, to me, like the greatest experience of my life. Like I couldn't have imagined a different kind of experience for myself. I feel like, you know, we've definitely grown like we think about, we've talked about this so much, but it's like all the people that we've dated, like all the like, you know, life experiences that we've had. And I think having Vox Fox to like ground us in a way, like as, you know, as much as it's shifted and changed in certain ways, like we've always kind of like come back to the business, even at times where other things in our lives are like feeling uprooted and crazy and kind of chaotic. And also we've come back to like our partnership, both professionally and personally. So it's been to me a really grounding force. And like, um, I think that speaks to, again, like how lucky I am to have such great business partners. But I think it's also been really interesting to like look at, yeah, the like my personal growth and like all the things that I've sort of, experienced in tandem with like this business going in a different, in a, in a direction. So yeah, it's kind of (laughs) wild. So when did you first discover technology and feel like it was an industry that you wanted to pursue? So I actually discovered technology when I was like, I guess in a professional context, when I was 16, obviously had interacted with technology in so many other ways, but I was interning at news.com, which was a part of CNET. And I was like going into San Francisco. It was a summer internship. I was in um, like the Bay Area suburbs and I would take the BART into San Francisco every day for my internship. And I was writing for news.com. So they let me kind of just like write little blog pieces, which was like, I don't know what business a 16 year old had doing that, but I was very happy for the opportunity. I had always loved writing and reading. Like I'm just still obsessed with language and like, I love all of that stuff. But I think at that time I realized sort of like the power of like, you're not just writing something and like nobody sees it. It's like the distribution power of the internet and like the ability for technology to like literally give you a platform for your ideas. It was so like early. And like, I remember being, it was Facebook early days too back then. And like, just realizing like, wow, not only am I going to write something, but like people are actually going to be able to see it because technology allows for that distribution. So I thought that was just awesome. And I was instantly hooked on like technology and, and the power of that. One thing that I think it's really important 
for listeners to walk away with because we have listeners at so many different ages and levels. I think some people think, I've heard this so many times, oh, I'm 20, what do I know? What can I do? Who would want me? Stuff like that, right? I love that you were so proactive that at 16, you're like, I'm getting an internship. And then you had multiple ad agency experience before starting your company at 22, 23. You know, it's, there is a lot that you can do. All you need to do is be proactive. You don't need to Mm -hmm. be seasoned. Just go after it. And just, my mom says, every no is one step closer to a yes. So if someone turns you down, apply again, apply again, go seek out the opportunities that you want to curate the skill set that you want. Yeah. And I love that you did that. Thank you. No. And, and just one thing on that too, I think, you know, people assume to your point, like I'm 16, I'm 20, whatever people, I don't know anything, but it's like, actually your perspective is what they're looking for. Like Mm -hmm. when I was 16, they were like, I guess you could write about Facebook because you're the only one here that knows it and uses it. And I wrote like this column about Facebook and, you know, kind of like the implications. I don't know. It was was some random thing. And they ended up putting it on, like, it got picked up by all of these outlets and their traffic was crazy. And like, they were like, this is amazing. And like, I think it was because I was 16, not in spite of being 16. So I think having confidence in where you're at and knowing that like sometimes not being the vet is actually like a huge competitive advantage. My girlfriend in college wrote a whole piece on Snapchat and then Snapchat ended up reaching out to her to hire her and she knew nothing about tech at the time she just used the app she just liked the app used right, the app. so she right. wrote this whole piece and she was one of their first employees all because she really liked snapchat and wrote about it i think at the time it probably just had a few people on the team like under five or something you know totally and yeah it changed her life like <laughs> and now she's a founder of an amazing tech company called yoni circle and you know it goes on but just be proactive just write about totally. what you love explore what you love be a really very curious person and don't let self-limiting beliefs hold you back from pursuing amazing opportunities that would open the door to you if you didn't have those self-limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I think as a culture of women, uh, unfortunately, but in doing hundreds of interviews around the world, I feel like that's just a common thing is we share kind of like this, I'm not enough self-limiting belief. And I'm not saying that you're like that, but Mm -hmm, I think as a mm -hmm. culture that we we have that. What inspired the name Box Fox? Honestly, there's no (laughs) great story to it. It's just, we were just It's a cool name. Thank you. We we loved, we wanted the word box to be in it because we knew gift boxes were going to be integral. Um, and then we were just kind of playing on like what could be fun, like iconography, like what could be like kind of mm. fun and playful. And like for us, boxes are like so fun and like so totally. like playful and curious mm. and clever. And like we just like that. So it's been really cool for like our branding because we've been able to do like you know, one of our taglines is like, you lucky fox. And like, we put that in like different language and it's just fun. And we call our loyalty program, the Fox fleet. So it's just like fun to have that as like a part of the brand. You and at least one of your other co-founders, is it both your, no, I think just one of your other co-founders both had ad agency experience. Was it both of them or just one? Um, Myself and Chelsea both did. Yeah. And 
how did that ad agency experience play into serving your company? And that was very short lived, by the way. You're like, and totally. peace out to like normal yeah. jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I worked in agencies. I, you know, even in the short time, I worked at three different agencies and Chelsea worked at two. And really, like, I, the experience was amazing. I think there were so many things that I learned. I think and one they weren't just was... any ad agency, it was like the top <laughs> ad agencies in the world. <laughs> <laughs> they were no amazing. I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, I feel like I learned, I mean, so many things, I think how to be really buttoned up because we were client facing and it was always like, you know, thinking about everything through a client lens, like who is the end person that's going to be looking at this email, this deck, like anything. So it was always about like putting your best foot forward in a professional setting. I met amazing people, like obviously met Chelsea through agency world, but also like made so many other friends and connections who have supported Box Fox along the way and like allowed us to kind of like, honestly, like sent our holiday catalog and like we've gifted, you know, all the employees through just like those personal oh, nice. connections, yeah. things like that. Also, I think just like the design sensibility, like I learned like Keynote is like such a big part of our business, just literally like <laughs> Keynote, the, the, you know, the um, application and like we, the power, oh, not the, PowerPoint, yeah. the PowerPoint competitor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like I, everything we do is in Keynote. And that was like from the beginning, because I was like, I love Keynote. So we're going to be like a keynote type of company and like it's been like like being able to like lead with design a little bit has been huge for us so so many things but I think those are like three I would think of so cool so cool your story is very exciting and what is your favorite tool website software mobile app what's your fave I'm currently honestly just loving my Apple watch. I got it <laughs> like six months ago. And like, honestly, I, I was kind of skeptical, but I feel like just being able to track my like daily, like walks and, and like workouts and stuff has been a game changer. So I love it. I was a hater, but I'm reformed. <laughs> and also keynote. <laughs> yes. Keynote is the, I guess, I guess I love Apple, which is like no surprise, but yeah, no keynote's great. That's on great. one of my interviews earlier in the week, she mentioned an app called Clue. Have you heard of Clue? I haven't. Okay, so it's a period tracker, but the thing that makes it like, whoa, to me, is it tracks your emotions, meaning it could mm. predict when you're going to be moody. Wow, that's really cool. I <laughs> got to get that. Let and so she shares it with her partner. So her partner can like be more compassionate and understand what she's going through each wow. month. I Wild, love that. Right? Yeah. And also like hint, hint, send me flowers. Honestly, maybe there's a box box collab in that somewhere. I gotta I'm think telling about that. you, <laughs> let's make it happen. Yes. <laughs> if you had any wish, what is your wish? And what is blocking that wish from becoming reality? I think my wish would be that it would be easier for more female entrepreneurs to kind of launch their ideas. I think that women have obviously make up half the population, if not more, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I think, you know, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of us. <laughs> and I think we have really unique problems and, you know, challenges that we face that we are uniquely kind of clued into as women and as our experience, you know, happens in the world. And I think having more opportunities for more women to feel, you know, 
empowered and excited and not intimidated by kind of launching something from their unique perspective, not in spite of it, I feel like would be for me like a wish. I think what's blocking it is unfortunately, like we've all all read the stats about imposter syndrome and kind of like even just VC money not being, you know, not going to women and like all of that. And I think to me, trying to show women that there's, there's so many different paths from a financing perspective is really important. So it's not all controlled by like VC and kind of like what they think is available to them. And then secondly, figuring out how to give more women like that abundance mindset and like that, you know, endless possibility, I think would be huge, not only for, you know, female entrepreneurs everywhere, but for all of us, because we would all be positively impacted by the gifts that women would would bring from a company standpoint. So I'm going to invite you to be selfish. Okay. I'd say close to 100% of our guests, when I ask any question that has to do with them, they always answer in the good for humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So selfishly, what is like something that you really want? Like some wish that you really want for you? Just self it, like I invite (laughs) you, this is your moment. And then then what is a block from attaining that wish? Okay. Wish of mine. So I've, I think I alluded to this earlier, but I've always loved writing and I'm a huge bookworm. Like I just love both of those things. I love language. So for me, a wish would be to write a book. I think that that would be amazing. I think that I definitely have an interesting story from these years of Vox Vox and, you know, just like everything we I've been through and kind of like all the trials and tribulations, the highs and lows, all of that. So writing a book would be like a dream of mine and a wish, I would say. I think what's getting in the way for me, the biggest block is, honestly, I don't know if anyone would read it. And I don't really know. I don't know how to write a book. Um, So I've never really like explored how one does that. Also, I don't know anything about like publishing, like it's just not a world that I'm familiar with. So probably would want to write a book would be interested if people would be interested in my story as well as like how the hell I would approach that. <laughs> okay. My mentor Tucker Max has a program called Scribe and he has okay. a free book school and high quality videos. And and I yeah. even like paid to go through his immersive thing. But right. so I've been through his paid and his free. And it's like there's high value with everything that he does. Wow. And so I'll send you the link and it's a bunch of videos walking you through everything from writing it to publishing it to marketing it. Cool. And then two, there's writershour.com. Have you heard of okay. that? No, I've never. Okay, it's free. Okay. It's at 8 a.m. in multiple time zones. And so 8 a.m. Australia, 8 a.m. New York, 8 a.m. L.A., et cetera. And a bunch of writers just get together and write together for one hour. And you don't even need to know how to write. Just show up to the document, like to in front of you. the thing. And just start writing words. Okay, okay. So like I think a combo of the two, the accountability from Writer's Hour, which again Mm -hmm. is free. And then then the videos from Tucker Max Scribe Book School – free yeah and high quality every all of this that i'm sharing is i'm in all of it i i'm writing a book okay so like and i've been writing a book so these are resources Mm -hmm. that i've personally used Mm -hmm. 
amazing. <laughs> the very first thing for you to do is just pick a goal date because you know that whole psychological thing that if we give mm -hmm. ourselves a box, like we work within that that time bound frame. So where can people connect with you? Yeah. So I am on Twitter. Um, just Sabina underscore Surrey. I'm pretty sure that's my username. Um, and then they could also email me at surrey.sabina at gmail.com or add me on LinkedIn too. And can you spell it for everybody too? Yeah. So Sabina, S-A-B-E-N-A. -E and my last name is Surrey, S-U-R-I. Amazing. To connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world, remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Sabina Suri, co-founder and chief strategy officer at BoxBox an e-commerce gifting company based in Los Angeles, California. And you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.